Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The decision to start feeding solid foods to twin babies signals a major change in developmental milestones, and often it's not an easy path to navigate. How do you know they are ready? How does prematurity factor in? Which food should you start with? and how do you make the transition from soft purees to true solids. I'm Dr. Stephanie Drummond of San Diego Occupational Therapy, here to talk about the mechanics of introducing solid foods to twins. This is Twin Talks. The ultrasound shows your babies to be healthy. What? Did you say babies? You're huge. Are you having twins? Are they natural? Which one do you like better? Twins, huh? My neighbor's cousin's brother's uncle's a twin. So can they read each other's minds? How do you tell them apart? Twins? You got a two for one. Do twins run in your family? Double trouble. You're not having any more, are you? At least you're not Octomom. If you're pregnant with twins or you're an experienced twin parent, odds are you've heard it all before. Now it's time to hear from the experts. This is Twin Talks, Parenting Times 2. Well, welcome to Twin Talks, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Twin Talks is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for expecting and new parents of twins. I'm your host, Christine Stewart-Fitzgerald. Have you heard about the Twin Talks Club? Our members get bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. You can subscribe to our monthly Twin Talks newsletter and learn about the latest episodes available. Another way for you to stay connected is by downloading our free Twin Talks app available in the Android and iTunes marketplace. Let's uh, see who's in the room with us today. So I'll start. Um, so as your host, I'm Christine Stewart Fitzgerald. I've got two, uh, well, obviously two. <laughs> That's in, in our world, it's, I mean, Singleton is the uh, exception. So uh, my, my girls are five years old. They just started kindergarten. So um, we've made some big changes. Um, but I do also have a Singleton who is three years old. So we're going through a lot of developmental milestones there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm Sunny and I'm producing today's show. And I'm also uh, the owner of New Mommy Media, which produces this show as well as Preggy Pals, uh, the Boob Group and parent savers and I have four children of my own um, all ages four and under so my oldest is four a boy and then I have a two-year-old boy and then I have identical twin girls who just turned one and I also want to let you guys know as we continue with today's conversation um, if you want to participate as a virtual panelist you can do so so um, I'm on Twitter I'm on Facebook now and I'll be posting some of the stuff we're talking about here in the studio and um, you know we usually do that before we record an episode too so make sure to follow our Facebook page and um, like us on Twitter all that fun stuff like follow I always get confused what you do on the various sites but check us out to learn more about us and to follow the conversation and um, our expert so Dr. Drummond not only are you um, an occupational therapist but you're a mom to twins as well I am I have boy girl twins that just turned four years old and they're in preschool mm-hmm. <laughs> so you get a little bit of downtime a little bit yes barely <laughs> but yes <laughs> Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. 
Hey, Twin Talks, this is Sunny, producer of the show. Today's episode is all about transitioning into solid foods, which is something Leah Garrett Cole knows a lot about. Leah is founder and president of Love Child Organics. She's also mom to four-year-old Poppy and two-year-old Cam. Leah, welcome to Twin Talks. Thanks, Sunny. It's so nice to be here. So let's talk about Love Child Organics. We know it's family-owned and operated. So tell us how the company got its start. Well, you know, when my husband and I had our first child, we were, you know, we were actually surprised by the lack of completely pure organic food options for babies and young kids. You know, a lot of them still had preservatives in them. So, you know, I started cooking my own food and I always used the purest organic ingredients and I always added nutritionally dense ingredients like quinoa to all of the food that I cooked for my own kids. And, you know, as I became more interested in this, um, it became really clear to me that there was a gap in the market. And we decided to start our own children's food company and Love Child Organics was born. I love that. And so your daughter Poppy and then your son Cam, so they were able to kind of test this as you went along with it and developed your products? They were. I mean, Poppy, you know, I cooked all my own food for Poppy. And so she was kind of the first one. And then (laughs) we started the business. And then I started actually developing the flavors, and Cam was truly like our head taster. He tasted them all right before they came to market. (laughs) I love it. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about the products that you guys have as well as their ingredients. I know that's really important to you. What makes those different than what we might see if we just went to the store? Well, we pride ourselves on going beyond organic, and that means that we only use real food in all of our products. So there are no preservatives such as ascorbic acid or citric acid in our ingredients list, you know, ever. And we believe that taste is important, but we don't want to make our food overly sweet by using too much fruit in our combinations. Um, So, you know, you won't have something that tastes fully like banana when there's meant to be spinach in there. You will always taste the spinach. And then we always um, include nutritionally rich ingredients like quinoa, acerola fruit. So, you know, we believe that every bite needs to count. And and we aim to do that with all of our um, recipes. Now, your products are geared towards ages six months and up. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you guys have kind of labeled this and how your products can grow with your children as your children get older? Well, I mean, we support moms breastfeeding or formula feeding their babies until they're six months. We think that's the best way to start. And then, you know, more than that, we decided not to use traditional stages, stage one, two, and three on our products because the latest recommendations state that almost all foods can be offered as first foods and that parents can offer almost any texture that they are comfortable with. So the stage recommendations that we've seen for decades aren't really applicable anymore. And there's so much conflicting information out there about which foods parents should start with. So we really believe that parents should make their own choices about that, not brands. And so we've just kept it at six months and up, and parents can decide when the best time is for them to offer those certain foods. And then also because of our ageless packaging, our purees can be enjoyed as smoothies as well for older children. So we know a lot of kids take ours, take our purees to school with them as well, even children as old as eight years old. You know, I love that concept because I have twin-year-old girls who are now almost a year old. And it's so crazy. They have skipped the baby food stage altogether. They want to have what, you know, their brothers are eating. But I love that you guys have kind of like let parents make that decision based on what's best for their kids. Exactly. Exactly. I really believe in that. I'm a parent first. And, you know, I've, I've learned a lot over the last couple of years. And what I've learned is there is there is no one single way to do things. Right. And, you know, we don't want to tell parents exactly what to do. We believe that they're, you know, parents are intelligent. They have doctors and different different other moms that they can talk to and they can make those decisions themselves. Absolutely. Well, tell us more about your spreading the love campaign. What is that all about? 
Well, we believe that businesses like ours have a responsibility to, to give back and to improve the lives of children on a wider scale. So we actually decided to embed this belief right into our financial structure, and we've committed to donating one cent per product we sell to children in need. And currently we're partnered um, in this campaign with a nonprofit called First Book, and what they do is they donate brand new books to children in need, and they're just an amazing, amazing nonprofit. They're really improving literacy rates across North America, and we're really proud to be working with them. That's fantastic. So how can parents learn more about your products and also buy them for their families? Well, they can visit us at our website, um, lovechildorganics.com. On our website, we have a store locator page. You can use that to find a retailer near you or to find um, an online vendor. And then as well, we're big on social media, so we invite everyone to come and visit us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest as well. And we have lots of great content on there and frequent giveaways too. And we're actually doing a product review with you guys. We're real excited about We have a few mamas that are going to be testing out the products, and we'll be doing a written and a video product review. So for all of our listeners out there, um, we'll be posting that on our social media as well, and it'll be available on our website. And we get to test this firsthand. I'm so excited. Leah, thank you so much for being with us today and for helping twin families and families just in general transition their babies to solid foods. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was great talking to you. Hello, it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, today's topic is introducing solid foods to twins. And we're talking with our experts, Dr. Stephanie Drummond. Um, she's here today. And she's going to talk about um, the milestones and from a um, developmental standpoint. So Thanks for joining us. Of course. You know, we hear, you know, a lot of questions, um, you know, when, when kids, you know, often it's it's like, oh, my gosh, my kids are always hungry. What should I do? Or, oh, I hope they could sleep the night. Um, so what are the signs of readiness to introduce solid foods? Some signs that your kids would be showing you is that the first thing you want to look at is posture, too. So I think a lot of people put their kids in the bumbo seat like, oh, they're sitting up. Now they can eat. So if a child doesn't have postural control and can't sit up, then they shouldn't be starting solid foods because if they can't hold their body up, then they, that increases their risk for choking. And if they can't hold their body up, then they also their tongue isn't ready for eating either. So they need to be able to sit up without support and not just kind of in a bumbo seat or in your lap. So independently sitting is the first sign. Then they also have to lose that tongue thrust. You know, when they first get their food and when you're suckling, when you're breastfeeding, they kind of stick their tongue out like that. That tongue thrust has to kind of be inhibited so that now they don't have that so the food isn't going to go in and automatically come out. It's a protective response so that if they put something in their mouth that shouldn't be in there, it automatically comes out. So that has to be inhibited before they can start introducing solids because otherwise everything's going to come out. So I think a lot of people, like a pediatrician say, oh, four months, and they put them in and all this food coming out, why isn't my child eating? Well, that's a reflex that hasn't integrated yet. So we need to make sure that that's inhibited and they can start working on solids. The other thing is that they're ready and willing to chew. So they're, they're not crying every time you're putting food in their mouth and it's not, it has to be a pleasant experience. And if it's not pleasant for them, then they're not ready either. Another sign is that they're starting to develop that pincer grasp. They're showing that they can kind of pick up those little foods and that they're ready to bring the foods to their mouth. 
And another, the final step is that they, they're eager to, eager to participate in mealtime. So they're not, it's not, again, the pleasant experience. If it, eating isn't fun, then it's not going to be fun for you either if it's not fun for them. So those are just kind of the steps that as far as motorically. The biggest thing is that you need to make sure that their digestive tract is ready for the food as well. So there's the motor aspect, which is showing that their body is ready for the solid foods as well. And to to try out these signs, I mean, you can kind of watch and observe, you know, maybe how they can hold things or maybe the tongue. But does that mean should you try just, you know, periodically let's um, and, you know, give them little tastes of things and just see how they react to it or? Yeah, you can. You can dip it like your spoon or your finger. And because they are, I mean, especially if they're breastfeeding, they're used to having things like a breast or you can give it dip your breast into the food or your finger, whatever they're more comfortable with and just kind of let it kind of sit on their tongue or play with it. Now, if they want to explore the taste and they're excited about it, then go for it. But again, make sure they have that postural support first mm-hmm. because we, it will increase your cho- choking risk if they don't have that postural support to sit independently. And and what age approximately is when they have that, that postural support? I mean, is there, is there a typical age? <laughs> everyone's different. I mean, I think a lot of what's out there now is saying four to six months, but I always lean to the six to eight months. I think it's it's better to wait than start it early because if they're not ready, then you can you can initiate reflux because they have an allergy or an intolerance to it if their digestive tract is not ready. So I always lean six to eight months hmm. is where I look at. And make sure again, make sure they're sitting independently, make sure that they're willing and eager to engage, and they're starting to show you those signs. Oh, interesting. So I'm um, you're recommending later than than a lot of let's just say the pediatricians. But I mean, I think we understand that um, solid foods is this time of exploration. So they're still getting their primary nutrition from either you know breast milk or from formula. formula. So by delaying it, you're not withholding nutrition. Of course in any not. Way. Yeah. <laughs> of course not. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So um, you know maybe you can help us understand now why is it then that um I mean I, I hear you're talking about having waiting a little bit um you know to make. Sure Sure that their their body and they've got the support. Then why is it that a lot of the pediatricians or other medical providers are saying, oh well, you know, four months or you know, six months or why do we hear so much discrepancy? I don't know why they say that. <laughs> to be honest with you, because I again, I have a lot of children with feeding dis- issues that come and see me, and I think a lot of pediatricians will say, put the rice put the rice cereal in the milk because you're going to help with reflux and do those things to kind of help. And if their digestive tract isn't ready, then you're just going to have more problems. And if they're posturally not ready, then you're going to have more problems. If they start to get to that point where they're ravenous and you're giving them all the milk and formula that you have, then that's probably another sign that they're ready to start introducing more <laughs> solids. But you also want to make sure that you're at the just right place for them because if you start introducing this too early, and again, every child's different, it's only going to cause more problems in the end. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's good to know. I mean, I think so. We, we can hold off a little bit. Um, and then when we look at... Um, Kind of, I mean, twins. I mean, prematurity is is unfortunately, you know, a common challenge with twins. Um, so, how does that factor in as far as the, the the timing goes? I mean, do we have to look at you know that age adjustment? Always, yeah. So when I go to do an assessment, all kids we'd say standardized. We set we adjust till they're two years of age, and sometimes I even adjust till they're three years of age. So a hundred percent, you adjust for the feeding milestones for prematurity. Like so, if they're two months early, you wait for than six to eight months. You wait eight to ten months. Wow, from when they were born. Okay, <laughs> that's that's surprising to hear. Um, now, um, regarding kind of you know texture and swallowing, and you talked about the tongue thrust. Um, so, so how can parents, I mean, help their twins transition from we go you know breast milk formula, which is just pure liquid, to pure solid? I mean, you know, what sort of approach should they go in in stages? And um, I know we we look at um, some different. 
methods of um, going you know, going from purees, which I think is probably one of the most popular approaches. Um, do you have any general recommendations on how to you know parents can can approach this? Yeah, definitely. And one thing I think is again, this has some kind of steps that you need to make sure your child's ready before they're transitioning to the textured foods. I think a lot of parents think that they look at Gerber and they say, well, there's stage one, stage two, stage three, and this is this is the order that we need to go in. And I think what happens is they throw these stage three foods at these kids and they start throwing up and gagging and they can't tolerate these textures because developmentally they're not ready for those. And honestly, stage three foods, I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> so I, I tend to say yeah, <laughs> never go to stage three because those look like alien foods to me anyways. But when you look at how the child progresses through feeding, you need to, rather than jumping from stage one to stage two to stage three, check and see what they're doing. Can they handle stage one? Okay, and then you thicken it up a little bit. Oh, stage two is just kind of a thicker mush. Can their tongue handle it? Then when you move on to the next one, go to regular table foods. Mm-hmm. So mash up your avocado, mash up your banana. So there's natural chunks in there. Mm-hmm. But the most, the, again, back to the oral motor piece is you want to make sure that the child has the ability to have, they're not have that tongue thrust anymore they're also showing you lateralization so they can move their their tongue from side to side when a cheerio or a food that dissolves goes in their mouth mm-hmm. i like to usually start with what we call meltable solids so those little puffs those things that literally if we put it on our mouth they dissolve pretty quickly mm-hmm. so we can kind of see that's a precursor to chewing they can see when that goes in their mouth what do they do with it they just suckle it down like it's breast milk or do they move it side to side what do they do with that food that shows me that they're starting to move the tongue around and they're ready for those foods so that's a first precursor. Another thing is you want to make sure that um, – hold on one second. Oh, yeah. So we want to make sure that they are able to – we push the gag reflex back. So a lot of times those babies – I get a lot of kids that never put things in their mouth. So they literally just never put – take things off the floor. They never put toys in their mouth. That's a sign that they've got some hyper like responsivity to different textures. So we want to make sure that they're constantly putting toys or food or anything like that. My kids would walk around – not walk around they were crawling at this point <laughs> but with those like i'd take a huge carrot and i'd peel it and they would get that carrot and they'd shove it all the way back and they'd gag and they'd gag and they'd gag and every my mom would freak out mom it's okay they're not it's like gagging is a normal response mm-hmm. if your child gags don't freak out just stay calm because that's a normal protective response it's a good thing if they're not gagging that's a concern that means it may not be in there so we want to make sure that they're getting pushing that gag refon- gag response back because go ahead. So uh, so you want th- so you want to encourage kids to put things in their mouth and kind of play with the texture and even if it's not you know an actual food item. So you're saying it's it's a good sort of practice or exercise for them to experience. Hey, I've got something in my mouth and this is what it feels like and I'm not immediately going to you know yes. push it out. Yes. Okay. So their fingers <laughs> and toys and everything. So whether it be long, I mean, you don't want to give them scary objects, but long items that they can't choke on, push in their mouth, push that gag reflex back. Because what happens is when you introduce foods, if that gag reflex hasn't been pushed back, they're going to retch when something touches the tip of their tongue. So when you do it, and then that becomes, gagging is not pleasant. It's not really something they enjoy doing. So if you concentrate or introducing food and they're constantly retching, you're going to have a negative response to food. Oh, So yes. if you do it, I do it both with, I recommend to do with and without food. So whether it be a large piece of celery, and I know this sounds crazy, but like a Slim Jim or like a big carrot, something they can get in there that they won't choke on and they can't get a bite off of, hmm. just to put in their mouth and push that gag reflex back. It also is a tongue exercise activity. So, you know, when you go to the dentist and you mm-hmm. they, you're, they're like, take tongue to the left, tongue to the left, because you put stuff in your mouth and your tongue follows it. That's yes. a reflex. So when you put things in your mouth, your tongue is getting exercise and it's going left, it's going right, it's going back and forth. And that's a precursor of what you're, we're going to do with food that develops rotary chewing. 
So you want to have those things in your mouth going back and forth. Push the gag reflex. It's all, there's a reason that all that's supposed to happen. So that when you go to introduce foods, it's pleasant. My gag reflex is where it's supposed to be. So now I'm not retching every time that my food touches my tongue. And my tongue knows that when I get a bolus in the middle, it moves it to my side and I chew it and then I swallow it. Oh, wow. So, yeah, there's a whole... There's the, <laughs> I know, right? Because <laughs> there's a reason really, for that. So, I mean, food in of itself is a sort of foreign substance for them. So, yeah. we really, it sounds like we... I mean, we just need to get them comfortable with even just having it in their mouth. Yeah, yeah. Did uh, you, Sonny? I mean, what about your girls? <laughs> well, my, my kids put everything in their mouth. <laughs> and I, I love that you said that, Stephanie, because now I don't feel so bad when they've got, <laughs> like, a, a mouth full of whatever. Um, I think it's fascinating. The more and more I learn about the body in general, I'm just like, well, of course that's why we do that I mean just makes sense that it's leading up to something um but if if kids are putting a lot of stuff in their mouth then then Stephanie do we need to kind of go through those exercises um or is it something that's pretty much innate with most children they're going to figure it out on their own it should be innate with most children but so just watch them maybe at first to see if they're really doing it so give them the opportunities for those safe times to put those things in their mouth push that gag reflex back move that tongue back and forth and see how they respond and react to it they promise you they will gag yeah. But that's a good thing. And right. so, again, your biggest thing, because they are watching you. They mirror everything you're doing. So if you if they gag and you freak out at them, they're not going to do it again. Okay. So just be like, oh, that's okay. Let's try. Like, and then just kind of redirect. Mm-hmm. But don't show them that, that you're fearful with that response because that's something they need to do to move on to the next step anyways. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. So now are there other things as well that parents should be doing to help them, you know, make that transition from the, um, you know, the liquid to solid Um and and should it be as as I think you you know, talked about it that we've got the package food that's in stages. So should we think of when if we make our own food, thinking of it in stages as well. So um, what what about these different approaches? I mean, some you know start out with purees, and I I don't know what you know what what are your thoughts with that versus um, either you know more more liquid foods or you know we've probably heard of some people are familiar with baby led weaning yeah, we've done some episodes on that yes <laughs> um and where it's really kind of introducing firmer foods from the get-go so so i i go back and forth with those the i think i can tell you again when i did it with my children we we went to purees first we went from the really thin liquids to the purees and then kind of make sure they had that what we call those hard chewable to hard munchables to move their tongue back and forth and then we slowly progressed to mashed up table foods and not anything staged. Again, I, I made my own baby food, so I didn't really do those stages. But making it what we would eat, make it palatable, because oftentimes if you're not going to eat it, they're not going to eat it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So th- there are, as long as they get that tongue and those gag reflex back, that tongue moving, you should be good to go. The, I like the baby wed. We need some parts of it from the fact that they're using what the hard munchables in the sense that they're putting things in there that they can chew and munch on. It's exploration. It's good exercises for the tongue. I'm a, sometimes I get a little leery if it's a child that may not be ready for it mm-hmm. from the choking hazard. That's my biggest paranoia. So I know for, if I give them a large carrot, there's no way a six to eight month old is going to be able to, to get a piece off of that in their mouth because they don't really have any teeth. They can't get anything off. But if you give them a chicken wing, mm. that makes me a little bit nervous. Yes, yeah. there's hard bones in there, but that just makes me nervous. So yeah. I like the aspect that they're learning exploration. I want to make sure that they're not going to choke mm-hmm. from that exploration, or from that standpoint. That makes me nervous. It sounds like you're saying that that maybe, you know, depending on the, the 
twins or the kids abilities is kind of really that might direct which path you take mm-hmm. i mean i know with with my twins you know we did the traditional purees mm-hmm. and um, i did it at home you know with making applesauce and spinach and you know in the little ice cube trays and you know all of that mixing it up and you know and, and they ate it spoon feeding that sort of thing um and then with my singleton um we did more of a baby led weaning approach and, um, you know, and it, and it was interesting. She was just really ready for it. Um, and I have to say, I think from that, she's um, got really great motor skills as well. I mean, she can pick things up and, you know, break things apart. She's She could grasp things really early on. And I think, you know, she also has, a I think, a better palate for food just because we just gave her table food. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think, you know, and, and obviously with, with twins, um, there's just the, the manageability aspect. So, you know, if you're on your own, um, you know, are you up to, you know, either, you know, just, just watching them and observing them and, you know, making sure everything's okay or can you be less hands off? So, um, so I, I think that's that's a great recommendation just to you know maybe look at each of the kids' abilities. I, I'm one of those people, I know we're going to talk about this later on, but the whole choking hazard yeah. scares me to death because, you know, I, I don't <laughs> – I just know – And you're out. watching four. No, yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. Well, you know, with, with that, I think we're going to take a break and we come back. We, I think we're going to address that topic of how can parents um, help prevent uh, choking. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's see. Well, welcome back. Today we're talking with Dr. Stephanie Drummond about introducing solid food to twins. Um, so, you know, I think we were discussing earlier, one of our, our constant concerns is choking. Um, I mean, we, we know that um, kids, as they're learning and they're learning to keep food in their mouth, and but we are worried about choking. That seems to come up quite a bit. So how can parents um, help prevent that? We're probably going back to making sure that the child has the oral motor skills and the postural ability as well to handle the foods. So making sure you're cutting, you're not giving them grapes, obviously. You're giving them little foods that they can manage. And if you want to even try it on yourself first, make, try put it in your mouth and see if you can chew it without using your teeth. So if you can't, then I probably wouldn't give it to them. And you just use, if you're using your tongue to mash it against the top of your mouth, and I know we have teeth and not gums, but you can use your cheeks, use everything in your mouth to see if you can get that down <laughs> without choking to a small enough piece that they can form a bolus and get it down. That's the best thing to do. As far as, because otherwise they, they can't do it. Well, is it bad for them to swallow? I mean, if it's it's not a choking hazard, mm-hmm. is it bad for them to swallow something whole without chewing it? You have to watch them. So if they have a hard swallow and you see like red eyes and you see it kind of looks like a gulp yeah. and it looks hard, you don't want that to happen too frequently okay. because that can trigger a negative response to eating. Okay. And I've had certain kids that come to see me at four and five years of age that had one experience of having a really bad hard swallow, and it wasn't choking. There was no lack of oxygen, mm-hmm. but it's one bad hard swallow, and they're done, and they stop. They're like, okay, not, not we're not eating that anymore. And then they start saying, well, that I'm kind of scared of that food, and that can turn into oh, yeah. some feeding challenges. So you want to make sure hard swallows are fine as long as they don't have too much of a negative response to it, but watch them. You'll see a big gulp, 
and you'll see their eyes all turn red or they start start mm-hmm. tearing. And that's it's painful. Yeah. Like you've had that where you, you feel like you have a pill stuck in your throat. It's painful. Yeah. It's not pleasant. And you don't want to have those negative associations with feeding. How about um, looking at some of the first foods? I mean, you know, that seems that's always a, a question about you know, what should we start out with? <laughs> and then the, and the foods that would help babies to encourage those chewing and swallowing skills. Right. So I think number one is do your best to avoid the dairy products until they're at least 12 months of age, because a lot of times our kids' bodies aren't ready for it. So if you can avoid that, that would be great until 12 months. I always wanted to start with fruits and vegetables first, because I think they're the easiest for the kids to digest. So we usually recommend pears or apples, peaches, bananas, apricots, those ones that are easier on their system, and then move to sweet potatoes, carrots, squashes. I know with mine, I think I started more in the vegetable because I wanted to avoid sweet as your first food. Mm-hmm. So I think we did like sweet potatoes and carrots and squash and then kind of moved and mixed a little bit of fruit in. And make it different. Change it up. Don't always every morning give your child banana and avocado. Just mix them together. Add something else because with in, with my children that I see with feeding issues, with variety, they get a, their palate increases. And they want to try new things, and they also get more volume. If you give them the same thing over and over again, you get sick of it. And I know as parents of twins, we kind of just eat the same things typically because that's what's easy, and we don't have the capacity for anything else at this point in our lives. But for kids, we need to especially this really introduce their palates to new tastes, and they may kind of be like, "Well, the first time they try it." But the research shows that you have to give a child the food 10 times before they actually realize that, oh, I may kind of like that. So they may spit it out 10 times, but you have to kind of accumulate get their palate used to those different foods and those different tastes, even though they may not like it first go around. Wow. And um, and how about as far as like the texture? So, um, you know, when we're kind of, you know, building up. You know, when we pure, we puree it, and I've heard some parents say, then okay, um, as we introduce foods like sweet potatoes is a great example. Um, you know, you can make sweet potatoes where it's like really soft and really pureed, or maybe leave a few little chunks in there. And if if you know, it sounds like if if the kids, if you watched them and observed them, you know, maybe they have that ability, then they could sort of squish those chunks together and you know with the, with their tongue so yeah and it may throw them for a loop you're going to probably get a really funny face the first time that you put that <laughs> those mixed textures in but yeah you definitely want to throw those in and see what happens make it more mashed at first versus mm-hmm. like something they have to chew especially if they're lacking the teeth mm-hmm. or the coordination but they do have to get used to those different textures and if you can make it the same food that'll be easier for them too versus throwing in peas inside sweet potato if you have mashed larger pieces of sweet potato in the sweet potato, you're only making them work on the texture response versus having a taste and texture change mm-hmm. at the same time. And how about avocado? I know a lot of people I hear say like, oh, avocado is like the big superfood. So sometimes I've heard that as introduces the first food. Yeah, I love avocado. I think it's a fantastic food. It's got the great fats in it. You can make different textures with it depending on where what stage the avocado is at. All right. Well, um, so as a mom to twins, um, so, and you've experienced this firsthand, um, so can you give us some practical tips about feeding them on your own? I mean, it's it's a big job. <laughs> it is a big job. And I go back to what you said about having that you're feeding too. Yeah. So you have to constantly, you're like, okay, I, I would say the biggest thing is prep. Mm-hmm. So make sure you have everything ready. I remember I would get everything ready and they would be playing wherever they were playing and then have it ready and then get them both in their high chair and give them something to do while they're eating. So if you just sit there and they're waiting for each food, they're gonna get bored and it's not gonna be fun. So I'd always have food and again, being an occupational therapist, we always have tactile play in my house. So I would throw the puree literally on their tray and they would get their hands in it and play with it while we were eating. <laughs> so they'd eat and they'd lick it and they'd get their faces covered. I know my mom would be mortified when she came over. 
but I'm like, sorry, mom. But I mean, my kids love being engaged in tactile experiences now because they've had that since they were born. So rather than just making sure you're kind of keeping everything clean and keeping it in their mouth, let it be crazy zone. This is their high chair. Like, just get it covered. Let them get covered. Just have them in a diaper so that you don't care if their clothes get dirty and let it be fun and make it a pleasurable experience. And then they're engaged too. So when you give them the foods, that's already a positive reaction response too. So prep, making sure they're entertained and not one screaming at the other while you're feeding one because it's hard to feed two at the same time. Mm-hmm. So going back and forth, but again, they have something to entertain them at the same time. And do you usually have them sitting next to each other in in the high chairs? So then you're kind of, you got um, like two different bowls. I mean, you, I think everyone's got their own system worked out, but um, and you've got two spoons. And I only use one spoon. One Is spoon? That bad? <laughs> I do. I, I kind of feel bad about it, but I'm like, oh, come on. This same DNA doesn't <laughs> I, you know what? They say always use two spoons because they were afraid about changing germs. My kids still switch toothbrushes. I'm like, okay, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> like, it just, it, it, you have to be practical too. There's the ideal and there's reality, right. which was when, when you have twins, that's again coming from what my ideal is as a therapist. And then having twins, I'm like, okay, there's some things that just have to go. Yeah. So I would have like a table next to me, like a little table that I have the foods on, and then they'd both be in front of me. And we would go back and forth with, with the spoon. Yeah. Just yeah. kind of like whoever whoever's mouth was open yeah. is who would get it. Like, that's where we're going with. Because my daughter eats slower than my son. So he'd get two and she'd yeah. get one. We yeah. Just kind of go back and forth because that's what life with twins is. Do yeah. you have any favorite gear that, you know, you like to use? I mean, either from that encourages the development or just from a practical standpoint that makes it easier in, in feeding twins? Yeah, I think my biggest, if I could get at my soapbox, would be the high chairs. I absolutely despise high chairs. There's most of them that are out there. The ones that, and I know as twin parents and you don't have a lot of room in your house, they like the ones that you put on your own chairs. Oh, the ones that sit on top of, the, yes. like mini, like the little, little booster yes. kind of seats. Okay. Like they save space, they're space savers, but posturally they're awful for your child. So those, and then the, also the ones, and I can't even think of brands right now, but they're just padded and they basically are like, okay, just hang out and sit back to eat. Because that, <laughs> the they, reclining I mean, yeah, kind of thing. Just hang out and it's cushy and it's soft yeah. and then, there's so many nasty things growing inside those things. <laughs> I just couldn't even. And the, one of my registry, I literally register for these certain high chairs, and they still sit in them. And I really like the Kikaroos and the the more expensive version of the Stokies, but the Kikaroo is my favorite. And we still have them, and I sit on them, and my husband sits on them, and the kids sit on them. And these are, I think, these are the wooden kind yes. of wooden high chairs, yes. and That's a little bit have. more rigid. Yeah, Kikaroo. Yay. <laughs> well, actually, it's, it's it's actually just the restaurant style chair. You guys know uh-huh. what I'm talking yes. about. Yes. Oh yeah, the, the wooden or square. But yep. we had space savers for my sons. And then I was just sick of it because it was really hard to clean. Like yeah. you said, it has that, like, you know, you can lean back in it. And it was just, you'd have to disassemble the whole thing, which you really couldn't do mm-hmm. in order to clean it. And I'm like, we need to go to something that doesn't have anything but just, like, straight angles. And then we went to the the wooden style um, restaurant chairs. So how about, like, utensils and things, you know? I mean, we know they're, they're learning to hold on to things and they're picking up food. I mean, you know, anything you'd recommend to help them yeah, learn yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. When they're starting to eat independently and they're starting to use utensils the ones that stick to the tray are really great because then that gives them pretty more success other than chasing the bowl around the table it's in front of them they've got a little bit of a lip so they can kind of scoop with their spoons or their forks i'm a huge environmental kind of i'm afraid of bpa and all those things so we use all silicone everything and we still use all silicone everything i haven't found one that can stick to the table yet but at this stage i'm okay with that because they don't need that we also used all metal forks and all metal spoons and didn't use any of those plastic ones you want to make sure that the spoons you're using have a really shallow bowl because other and you also don't want to dump the food in their mouth so when they're eating 
you want to just kind of let them do the work. So you put the spoon up to their mouth, let their lips go around and do it versus you putting it in and scraping it yeah. upwards because mm-hmm. that's not their mouth's not getting any work on that. That's completely passive eating. So even though you're feeding them, you want them to be actively engaged. The other thing that's the biggest no-no is when they have food covered all over their face, don't take your spoon and wipe their face off with their with the spoon. Oh, I do that all the time. All don't the do time. it. Why? Why? Try it to yourself. See if you like it. <laughs> and then they probably want they probably think a spoon is for scraping the face and it's a little right. confusion. You're like, what's no spoon goes in your mouth? Right. Even so though mommy's when you're thing. let them be messy. It's good to be messy. It's exploration. They're learning, and then when you're all done, clean them off. Let them be dirty. But when you're scraping their face, it's an, you're gonna cause an aversive reaction. So if we have any child that may be leading towards a feeding issue and you or have sensory processing issues and you're scraping their face they're going to become aversive to that and they're not going to want to eat so make it pleasurable let them have exploration let them be covered i know it's sometimes it's hard for like my (laughs) husband was one who can't he's very clean but that's just part of learning it's going to be on their hands it's going to be in their hair and their ears and their face and then you clean it off when you're done Interesting. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I was saying, no, one, one thing that I always liked was um, if you don't have, a, you know, just a t- like a tile or linoleum kind of floor, sometimes of like just clear plastic mats Underneath, on the yes. bottom. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say. Or dogs. Those help. Or dogs. <laughs> yes. There you go. <laughs> well, with that, I think we're going to wrap up. And I just want to say, hey, thanks for um, joining us today. And uh, for more information about feeding and introducing solids or more information about any of our speakers and panelists, visit the episode page on our website. And this conversation continues for members of our Twin Talks Club. After the show, Dr. Drummond will talk about the use of pouches for pureed foods. For more information about the Twin Talks Club, visit our website, newmommymedia.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And we have a question from Karina in Los Angeles. She says, oh, I am so tired. I'm breastfeeding my two-month-old twin boys, and I'm just tired all the time. I know I need to get more sleep, but I'm wondering if there's more to it. I mean, maybe take more vitamins, or are there any other things that I can do? Hi, Karina. I'm Dr. Wade Twenman from the San Diego Perinatal Center. Thanks for your question. You may very well need more calories. Uh, moms who are breastfeeding require an additional three to 500 calories per day per baby. In addition, you need more calories while you're pregnant. Also, there may be something organic going on like a thyroid problem or anemia, and so I'd recommend that you see your doctor as well to follow up and make sure that there isn't some other issue for your tiredness. Thanks again. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Twin Talks. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals, for expecting parents, and our show, The Boob Group, for moms who breastfeed their babies, and Parent Savers, your parenting resource on the go. This is Twin Talks, Parenting Times 2. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care. 
and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.